0: be give me fire, give me that which I desire. Hey
1: everybody, welcome to Metallicast, the Metallica Podcast. I am your host and fellow Metallica fan. My name is Brandon. This is part ten of Metallicast Black Summer. Hard to believe that. We have already gone 10 weeks. We're looking at the last track today. The struggle with it. And when I say we, I'm talking about a person who was... Out, well, outside of my cousin, who does not count as a human being. Uh, <laughs> he the fir- He was the first guest on Metallicast back last summer when I was doing the In Summer for All series. He came on to talk about... One of his favorite tracks, uh, a song that he will tell you is the most underrated Metallica song in their catalog, Eye of the Beholder. Today, he joins me for his second round on Metallica to talk about the struggle within Kevin Van Dam. Welcome back to the show, bud. Appreciate it, man. Glad to be here. You always provide uh, great insights, so I'm excited to have you on for this epic finale Oh, I don't
2: know how epic it's going to be, <laughs> but we'll see.
1: <laughs> well, let's start at the beginning for you. I know I'm pretty sure last time you were on, we talked a little bit about how you got into the band and stuff. But let's talk specifically about the black album. What? Uh, it, and it's okay if we go a little bit into your about when you got into the band again. It's been so long. Uh, you might have to refresh my memory. Never mind the listeners, uh, but sort of what's your initial Black Album memory um, in terms of discovering it, hearing it, your thoughts, your opinions? Well, I would love to say
2: that I was like, in line to get it when it came out and I got the cassette and put it in and it blew my mind, but I was only five at the time. So that didn't happen. Um, (laughs) By the time I got into Metallica, it was about 2003. It was about St. Anger time. So the black album had, you know, burrowed its way into the the general consciousness of the music scene. And you know, you probably hear enter Sandman a hundred times and never really know that it's happened until you really yeah. get into the band and go okay that's metallica <laughs> okay. but exactly. you know i i grew up in the napster days so i kind of got a smattering of everything but the black album stuff was really the the portal that got me into metallica and then once i bought live shit that thing blew my mind and then i was a metallica diehard ever since then so that was about 2003 2004 when i really really got into the band
1: nice and the black album i think is you know I think a lot of people say that's sort of a, a gateway drug into not just metallic, but into heavier music in general. It's just the for somebody who might not have listened to that style of music or been exposed to that style of music, it in so many ways it's the perfect entry point for somebody.
2: Oh yeah, totally. I mean, I grew up listening to classic rock stations when I was in my dad's car or like Christian radio stations when I was riding in my mom's car. So that was like what i was exposed to but the great thing about the black album is like i could put that on and my dad could listen to it and he'd be like that's pretty good i like that like you can get almost (laughs) anybody into metallica with the black album so there's something magic about it
1: yeah it's true and i i remember you know as a kid having uh metallica playing in the house uh or being in the car and you know if a song like into salmon came on or the unforgiven or nothing else matters my parents could tolerate it, appreciate it, I think like it to a cert- on a certain level, as opposed to you know when I had Dyer's Eve on, or I, re- <laughs> or I remember, since you uh, mentioned uh, getting into the band during St. Anger time, I remember coming home with St. Anger the first day, putting that on my bedroom full blast, listening to the album for the first time, and my mom calling up to me, asking me what the hell I was listening to, <laughs> and being very confused when I said Metallica, uh, which... Ironically, is probably the reaction die-hard Metallica fans also had uh, throughout yeah. that time. Uh, so it's not just my mom, but it's just a funny uh, juxtaposition. And uh, you know, to the Black Owl, um definitely, uh, it's become just a part of uh, popular culture at this point. It, it's, and I, I've said this before, but it's, it's just for me personally. That was my entry point to the band. Um, uh, I was very young when the album came out in 1991, but I had two older brothers, and I remember seeing the Into Salmon video, and I, I, I've gone through the story, but you know that was my entry point. That was my gateway drug into this band, into heavy music, and I, I feel like a lot of people can relate to that.
2: Oh, for sure, and the people who get upset about it, that, that made Metallica like super, super popular. Like, I get where they're coming from. Like, they want their underground metal band to stay their underground metal band. But, yeah, I mean, you you want your band to be successful, right? And now they're <laughs> ultra successful and selling out right. all over right. the place. And now they're doing another Black Album-esque type length tour because it's been, like, almost three years now since Hardware yeah. came out. And they're still yeah. going strong.
1: Yeah, and they just recently announced South America for 2020, so they're not slowing down anytime soon.
2: No, it'll, it'll be crazy. It'll be great, though.
1: It. I agree. That's one of those, uh, reasons why, you know, that people are like, Oh, I wish Metallica would release an album more than every eight years. And I absolutely agree with those (laughs) people, but it's like, well, they toured for four of those years, they took six months off and then they did like, you know, a movie and then whatever, God knows what else, you know, it's like now they've been touring nonstop and now they're doing S and M two. And now it looks like that's going to be in movies for uh, a night, which I'm assuming will also lead to a Blu-ray and a hopefully a CD, and you know it's it's just there's so many things that happen in that amount of time with this band that yeah I want mu- new music more frequently, but the eight years kind of flies by because it's not like it's eight years of silence. <laughs> no, no, it's, not, it's
2: like, not like yeah, it's not like Kirk's out there surfing and James is out there killing elk <laughs> in Colorado where I'm at right now. It's it's not that they're they're doing stuff
1: yeah yeah it we it's not like we're sitting back waiting for Chinese democracy or some yeah, like okay. uh, you yeah. know long uh long rumored mythical album you know yeah <laughs> they're working they're working
2: <laughs> i I always say at least they're not tool
1: <laughs> right well that's that's the perfect example it's you know a tool is the album out now, or it's just about to come out? But like,
2: It's going to come out on the 30th. I don't know when you're going to l- release this, but it's uh, a couple days out now.
1: Yeah, so I think it'll be out the same day as this episode, because I think the 30th is Friday. So Yeah. Uh, yeah, so it'll be out the same day as this episode. So, uh, by the way, definitely do not listen to the new Tool album. Just download and listen to Metallicast. At least listen to this first. <laughs> <laughs>
2: tons of good content coming out on friday people get yes, it all
1: yes yes um but uh yeah no that's the perfect example because i mean i'm i'm not a big tool fan I, I definitely appreciate them i definitely uh you know like some of their stuff but i haven't done the full uh you know dive in as like a tool fanatic but i get i get the appeal and i get the ravenous of that fan base and uh i i I'm glad I'm not one of them because I, it would drive me fucking nuts. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. But the thing about Metallica is like, I don't know if this is true for you, but it was, it's more like, Oh, that's a really awesome surprise. When you hear that a new Metallica album is going to come out. Yeah. Cause like they already have a pretty big catalog of stuff you love. So I remember when death magnetic came out, Definitely. I was like, Oh yeah, this is going to be awesome. And then yeah, when, yeah. you know, the hardwired announcement was, you know, dropped or whatever. I was like, "Hey, that's awesome!" Like, all for it. I wasn't like, "When is
1: Metallica right, yeah, gonna yeah.
2: make a new album?" Like, I'm still well, listening to Master of Puppets, like it's the first time.
1: <laughs> well, that's very true for me too, and and I think too to tie in with that, that's also part of the reason why each Metallica album feels like an event. Like it, and and I, and I know they're my favorite band, so it's gonna feel like an event for me. But it's presented like an event. Like I, I remember hearing just as the most recent example hardwired for the first time and you know and then everybody the family friends you know everybody's talking about the track and then slowly but surely you hear you know a couple more songs and then they start dropping the videos like days before the like the the way it's all rolled out it just felt like an important thing when um so many other metal bands, (laughs) Megadeth. It's like, you know, every six months, I feel like there's a Megadeth album. And if you're a fan, then you're like, cool. And if you're not a fan, you don't notice. And that's, I mean, I, obviously I'm going to, I, I said it as a knock and I, but truthfully, it's not really a knock. It's just that Metallica is a bigger band and they are, uh, you know, and it's an event. much like the new Tool album was, or like the new um, Slipknot album was, like for fans of that band, it's an event. And for like, even if you're not a fan of those bands, you can't ignore. It. Like, if you're at all paying attention to what's yeah. going on in music, especially hard rock and metal, you know the Slipknot has a new album. You know the Tool has a new album. And it's the same way Metallica has a new album. Like, you're going to know it's going to be an event. It's going to be a big deal. It's going to be big news, and they're just going to be all over the place for, well. Anywhere from six months to four years later. (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
2: And that's probably why Metallica is the band that it is and how much success they've had. Like they have a marketing mind. I don't know if it's, you know, Q prime management or Lars or whoever it is, but they also like change it up and try and do new stuff. Like doing a music video for every single song on the album and like releasing them all. Like, I forget how they rolled it out. Like one after the other day after day, I was in Iraq at the time. So I was kind of behind, but it was, you know, still awesome. It was a big event, so
1: yeah, they're yeah, yeah. they're real
2: smart in that respect.
1: Oh, totally, and you know, it's they give you enough of a tease, and then they give you enough of a taste, and, and then it just keeps you wanting more until you can finally get your hands on the final product. And I mean, I'm I'm still, I it was funny because I just did a long car drive, uh, a couple weeks ago, and I was listening to Hardwired. And I was like, oh, I, it's been like three months since I've listened to this record. It's been so long. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, and it it's still so good. <laughs> it is. It is
2: really good. It's really stood the test of time. Like, for whatever reason, Death Magnetic didn't have that draw to a lot of people. Yeah. But Hardwired definitely does.
1: Yeah, I, and I think part of it is, uh, I, I and I say this as somebody who really likes Death Magnetic, hardwired feels like a more natural record and it just has more punch. And, and to me, I think it's their best produced album outside of the black album.
2: Yeah, I agree. I agree.
1: It, it, and I said this on a past episode, um, but I heard, I think it was of wolf and man when oh, Tommy Trink, I don't like mentioning that name on air, but when Tommy Trink was, uh was on the show, I, I listened to A Wolf and Man for the episode, and then uh, The Day That Never Comes came on after, and I was like, you could hear the difference, you know, in the production. But, Absolutely. Uh, it you know, Deathminect has more thin sound. It sounded more like an Injustice for All production, whereas I feel like on Hardwired, uh, you know, they it sounds well-balanced. It sounds really warm. It sounds, um, you know, you have the... Uh, the high end and the low end and all the right places at all the right times. And it's just really well put together.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
1: So where does, um, you know, as somebody kind of came into the band later in their career, um, and, you know, using the evil Napster machine, shame, shame. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Sorry, Lars. (laughs) He forgives you. <laughs> um, but uh, he's listening. He, he just texts me. He, he forgives you. But, yeah, uh, I've gotten
2: enough <laughs> enhanced experiences at the concerts. I should have made up for
1: it. <laughs> yeah, seriously. You know, hundreds of thousands of uh, dollars in concert tickets later. Yeah, know. exactly. <laughs> but um, so obviously at some point you went back and experienced the album's from start to finish, do you, re- do you remember not to put you on the spot, but do you remember kind of when you heard the Black Alm from start to finish and what your initial thoughts were of it as, like, a cohesive unit?
2: That is a good question. Um, <laughs> I think at the time... I really put you on the spot for I would, this one. <laughs> yeah. I think at the time, uh, just given my you know, introduction to Metallica, I was probably like, all right, I really like the hits, you know, Sandman, sad, but true. All the, you know, unforgiven, you know, that solo is amazing. And that was probably my favorite song for a long time. But as an album, I probably wouldn't have put it very high. I think a lot of people are that way. Like the black album has a bunch of mega hits, but as an album, it doesn't rank as high on people's lists as you might expect. Yeah. Uh, Like, Right now, Justice is my favorite album, and then Puppets, and then it goes from there. The Black Album's probably in the middle somewhere, but, yeah. you know, it changes day to day.
1: Yeah, which I, it's, you know, I've heard, uh, for me personally, I would put the Black Album in my top three, maybe, as my second favorite, but a large part of that is my, uh, is for sentimental reasons, because it was the first Metallica album I heard, it's the album I've listened to the most, because... There was a period of time when I was a young kid where I thought that was the only Metallic album that existed, and I just <laughs> listened to it on my Walkman on uh, on a freaking loop. So like that album now is part of my DNA. I feel like I know every note and every word and just every single part of all those songs more so than uh, the other records, which I've listened to a bunch of times. You know, and, and Master my personal favorite, but I think I put the Black Album. Uh, very closely behind it but again mostly because of sentimental reasons and i think one of the big complaints the black album gets and um i know there's a lot of people that would disagree and a lot of people that would agree but there's people who say you know it it has five classic tracks i mean there's no denying that whether you like the songs or not they're classics um they're huge hits but outside of those it's a mixed bag you know there's some people and i'm just saying this play more like devil's advocate also but there's People say, you know, it's got some filler on there. It's got some forgettable songs, you know. Uh, that's, that is that is a, a complaint that you hear about this record sometimes, where you really do not hear that about the first four records.
2: Yeah, I can definitely see that. And I think that's what I was saying. Like, everybody knows the mega hits, but then everything else just sort of fades into the background. And I don't think they're bad songs by any means. I don't think they're really filler. But you know they're just so overshadowed by these things that just like changed music in the early '90s. So yeah, you know, it's I mean, tu- it's tough to compete with Enter Sandman. I don't care what song it is.
1: Yeah, it, it, that's that's an excellent point. And uh, when Richard I was on to talk about Holier Than Thou and Part Three of Black Summer, that's something uh, I, one of us mentioned. That I I'll, I'll say me I'll take credit for because it's my show. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know it's it's sort of a. I would say this, the song gets lost because, I mean, more than any other song on the album, that's sandwiched between four of the biggest metal songs of all time. Like, at least yeah. at least the rest of the songs have a little bit more of a breathing space because there's a couple tracks before you get to Nothing Else Matters. But, like, you have Sandman, Sad but True, Holier Than Thou, Unforgiven, Wherever yeah. I May Roam. It's like... That's why like there's not a stand a chance. <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly. And that was part of my argument for Eye of the Beholder. It's like it's sandwiched between these other tracks that sort of overshadow it, and I think it gets lost. And I also have the same contention about Atlas Rise because they haven't played it in Europe so far. So I think yeah, that's kind of the Eye point. of the Beholder of Hardwired, which makes me yeah, sad. Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, I do like, though, the, the recent, just to go a little bit, off track here the recent uh additions to uh the set list yeah, as they wrap up the european run get ready for S 2 and i gotta give nick mccobie a credit for this back before the european run started he said watch what songs they play because it's gonna give us insight into what they play for S 2 and i mean so far they've pulled out call of cthulhu they pulled out the outlaw torn those are not oh, coincidences yeah. <laughs> they're coming back for S 2 for sure those are like almost a guarantee yep. at this point
2: yeah, I believe it. I would be pretty upset if Outlaw Torn didn't make S&M 2.
1: Yeah, especially since they pulled it out. It's like, it's like why are you teasing us in the, without the symphony? Play it with the symphony. Then, you know, you're going to have... But then it makes other song suggestions interesting. It's like, well, I I would be surprised for them to choose a St. Anger song, but they've been playing Frantic and St. Anger this whole time. So do they do one of them? Do they Do they do both of them? They've been doing the God That Failed a lot. So is that going to be a deep cut? Yeah. To for us them too? Like all these kind of tracks that seemed random at first had been, have become consistent parts of it, uh, uh, consistent parts of their set list. But then it's also like, well, maybe they thought these, like maybe they thought a St. Anger song would translate better for the European audience more than like the American audience where the album, you know, did not sell as well, or, you know, has more of a bitter reaction towards it or whatever. Yeah. I know there's a whole variety of things to go into it, but I'm like, it'll be interesting to see that set list, a, you know, in a, whoa, whoa, it's coming up really quick here. It's September uh, next week. So. What is it the 9th? Yeah, uh, I it's, think it's, it's pretty I think quick. It's, yeah, it's like in the next next couple weeks. I can't, I don't know what date it is right now, but it's is the next week or two. Um, and so it'll be really interesting to see what songs come through for that.
2: Yeah, i I'm not going to expect the Saint Anger track. That just might be my uh, my bias that I don't want to hear one. But (laughs) you know, it is cool that they Richard SC,
1: I will edit that part out.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Richard. I'm I'm one person you can't convince, though I respect
1: you. (laughs)
2: But it, you know the European audiences do get more and different deep cuts than the American audiences, you know, for yeah. whatever reason, yeah, 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 and that yeah, actually sure. ties into struggle within because they do they did a whole kind of mini run of playing the whole Black album as a part of their set, yeah. but that was only in Europe and the Orion Festival.
1: That was yeah, it. so let's let's start getting to this song a little bit uh, now that we're twenty minutes into this thing. <laughs> um, so. Usually I do the live stats later, but there's no rhyme or reason to what we do here on Metallicast. So let's jump into it. It's only been played 17 times. Yeah. Um, Which I was not surprised by the number, because I know this is a rarely performed song. What kind of took me aback, though, was that... um, And as I thought about it, it made sense. But what surprised me at first, because I sort of forgot, was that all 17 of those times was in 2012, when they were playing the blackout to celebrate the 20th anniversary so was never played for the first 20 years (laughs) and has not been played since 2012 so it's kind of funny that uh 20 years later they played it 17 times in one year and then we're like all right no more
2: (laughs) yeah it's really really crazy and uh, if you pull up the details on that show in Prague, which is where they started doing that, uh, they de- they debuted "Struggle." That was also the same day they debuted "My Friend of Misery" and "Don't Tread on Me." So that was the first oh, time of both yeah. of those songs as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, because uh, I it was just last episode and I already forget, but I think "My Friend of Misery" was only like ten times. It was about the same number, you know. Uh, or <laughs> it, and I was like, oh, I could. I, I, that's a song I want to hear more of. <laughs> but.
2: You know what'll blow your mind is on this little mini tour where where they played the Black Album Back to Front. They yeah. also played uh, Hell and Back quite a bit. That's been played 16 times, and Struggle Within has been played 17. <laughs> so pretty neck and neck.
1: That's pretty funny. But, I'm not that sure was, what that means. <laughs> and that must have been like a brand new song at that point, because that must have been right around, um, what year is Beyond me? Mc- uh, beyond magnetic that's like a f- fuzzy album for me it must have been around 2012 because death magnetic was 2008 Beyond yeah. Magnetic was like it the you know why i confused this when that album came out because they released the songs individually to fan club members and that's how i got it i got those songs yeah. like through the fan club and then they packaged it later as the ep
2: yeah i have trouble remembering because the first time I heard a Death Magnetic song I had XM Radio at the time and they debuted Cyanide like for you know the world premiere or whatever and it was like a big yeah. event. So I was like, gotta tune in and listen to that. So yeah, I have the same problem as I tried to uh, you know put the mile marker down and it's tough.
1: Yeah. Somebody out there will be like, Why are you hosting a Metallica podcast? Do you don't know the year of Beyond Yeah, Magnetic? you idiots. This uh oh, never listen to your show again. Yeah,
2: I've been to 150 <laughs> shows, and I know Lars's mom. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah.
1: um, and while we're giving out uh, stats before we jump headfirst into the struggle within, um, before I forget, because I've been forgetting a lot, I said at the beginning of Black Summer that I would give my weekly report of where the Black elm is on the billboard 200, and... Kevin, I want to be honest with you. This podcast has a lot of pull, has a lot of power. (laughs) And uh, I'm happy to say that after 10 weeks looking at 12 tracks, the Black Elm is still not in the the Billboard 200. (laughs) (laughs) It was there for the first two parts, I believe, and then it, yeah. (laughs)
2: <laughs> it has pretty, not been pretty, pretty good since. run for something that came out in 1991 so yeah.
1: well i mean it'll be back it it's it has stopped it was not in the billboard 200 consecutively since uh right, right uh but yeah it's still funny that after all the times it has been in the billboard 200 for like over 500 weeks uh i don't know the exact number to date but i know it's for a fact like a it's been over 500 weeks that was a couple years ago uh, I think when they made that announcement that in the 10 weeks I've done this <laughs> only like two of them at the start <laughs> was the album there uh,
2: I don't know if I was a member of Metallica what I would do with that sort of information like something you've made right. is like <laughs> yeah. literally going to echo in eternity well past your death like yeah. that's the route that's on
1: Well, it's, yeah, I would have no
2: idea what to think about that
1: It's funny to me because a lot of times um, I'll see a post on Twitter or on Instagram from somebody like Brian Slagell or somebody like that. So sometimes he'll want to showcase, you know, a metal blade band and, you know, they debuted at number one or, you know, they're somewhere in the top five of like the iTunes metal charts and Metallica will be there with them and with the black album and it's <laughs> it's like all right so this brand new album's number one black album's still number two <laughs> yeah or I remember <laughs> like when Hardwired came out, Hardwired was like number one, Black Album was like number three and I wanna say there was one or two other ones like Justice and Puppets in the top ten too. <laughs> it's <laughs> like this is just it's not even fair. It's not even a <laughs> No. No, it's not a fight um but yeah i i swear to god if the black elm enters the billboard 200 next week when black summer's done i'm still taking all the goddamn uh credit
2: <laughs> yeah it's like an aggregate thing you just gotta get the ball rolling
1: <laughs> right exactly and then you'll see the
2: results at the end
1: <laughs> exactly so let's let's jump into this song once and for all um uh, It's the closer on the record, obviously. It's the last track. Definitely one of the thrashier songs on the album. I hesitate to call uh, any song of the Black Album thrash, because it's not thrash in the sense of Mortar Breath or uh, a Dire Z, but definitely one of the thrashier, more up-tempo songs.
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, that first opening riff is really thrashy. Uh, It goes for about a minute, then they slow down before the chorus, and then it picks up again after that with that same riff but yeah. yeah there's some thrash elements in there and probably one of the thrashier tracks on the black album yeah i definitely agree with that
1: yeah i what i like about this song um it has like that military intro which is sort of i feel like when you hear that you expect it to be uh you know like a don't tread on me or uh, a song like a you know disposable heroes or confusion like a song that's war themed and it's not and it's not (laughs) even though you could see it as um uh you know i I think i think the tie into that has to do uh you know the struggle within it's not wars on army but it's kind of a war in yourself it's you're kind of fighting yourself and i think maybe that's the tie to it or maybe i'm overthinking it but it's my show so i will overthink it <laughs> <laughs>
2: no but, as as the guy who overthinks everything especially metallica lyrics i'm <laughs> i'm with you on that but i was i was trying to make sense of that myself like it's not really the overt you know military drum intro segue into a you know a one or whatever like it it kind of has a disconnect there so and the crazy thing about that is that intro takes a little while, and this is a really short song. It's only three minutes and 53 seconds. Hardwired is 311. So I think if you took out that drum intro, they'd probably be about the same.
1: Yeah. And w- another thing I like about this too is that once they kind of move past like the, the military intro uh, and it kind of breaks into the riff, the vocals come in before the band's fully kicked in. Yeah. Which I always liked. It's like um I feel like it's uh I ca I cannot think of another song in their catalogue where that's really the case. They have songs like Fuel where you hear the vocals first and uh, you know breaks in songs where the vocals by Carrie, but nothing where you have like a heavy riffing behind it and then full speed ahead after the vocal.
2: As yeah, like part nothing... of the build. Yeah. Nothing is coming to mind off the top of my head that's structured like that. But yeah, that's a good observation. I actually hadn't thought of it. But yeah, it's like James doing a riff and singing over it. And it's like he kicks in the door and then everybody flows in after him.
1: Right. And Um, another thing that stands out to me uh, about this song musically is uh, this is going to sound like uh, a knock against the song. And it's not. But it's almost—I um, really like the start and stops. It's almost like amateurish in a sense uh, because it's—it's it's kind of like a cop-out transition into like to the next part, right? But I—I it, it, I like it because one, I think it's not because they couldn't think of a transition or right one. It's an intentional thing that they're doing as part of the song. But to me, it adds like to the punk thrash feel of it. Um, and kind of gives it more of a almost like old school Motorhead type song.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I can agree with that. I, I love when Metallica does like purposeful pauses in their music. Like yeah. probably the most famous one is Harvester. But there's a couple on uh, like Death Magnetic. And I like when James pauses in this song and then just yells, Go! And then, you know, that's <laughs> yeah. but whenever James does that, you probably know a kick-ass riff is following. And <laughs> right. that's actually my favorite part of this song, because it's just this a little bit different riff from the main one. It only lasts about 10 seconds. It's right after the guitar solo. But oh, I right. think that one, that riff is the best one in there. And I think yeah. it's really underappreciated. But I think Eye of the Beholder is underappreciated. So maybe I'm just out of the Metallica mainstream. <laughs>
1: I really like the underground Metallica songs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Metallica um, hipster. <laughs> yeah. No, all that's good points, and I think, um, uh, what was I gonna say? I completely lost my train of thought. <laughs> it happens. Um, but I, uh, I'll, I'll circle back around. But yeah, it's just a really tight concise like performance for the band i know what i was going to say um that's one thing we've talked about a little bit on black summer on and off with the various guests that have been on is how on this album the band uh and i'm basing this off interviews i've read and quotes and stuff they it was uh they wanted to give the songs more space more room to breathe um whether it's you know, the pause in Sad But True like a a literal break before you Mm -hmm. hear the doot, 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 right? Or um, just other times like uh, you know, My Friend of Misery where the bass line sort of carries through and the guitar sort of weaves in and out and you have, it's like those very subtle layers in the background. Like, There's a lot of different ways and a lot of different times where the songs breathe. I think the unique part about Struggle within and how they do it is that you have like you have those starts and stops, and that's really the only break that you get. There's not a it's not a groove oriented song really, uh, other no. than maybe later on like during the solo or after the solo. But it's a, just a very like a, as far as the black album goes, it it's the most like balls to the wall, foot on the gas pedal song. Uh, I think on the whole record, even more so than uh, the couple other kind of thrashier songs, like Through the Never or Holier Than Thou.
2: Yeah, I think Through the Never would probably be my preferred one, but, I mean, the difference is minimal, you know, the yeah. distance between the two.
1: So, interesting f- uh, fact about this song. Um, this was, this is not only the last track on the record, But it was, uh, the story goes that it was written and uh, sung during uh, the band's last day in studio. This was the last song to be completed by the band for the record. It's funny because, interestingly, it was the first song that they started writing. And it ended up being the first song on the album. And The Struggle Within is the last one that was written for the record and the last one that appears. Um, But... uh, part of the I'll read this quote that I found online. Um I apologize for not knowing the source. I'm I you know, but I I try my best as a podcast professional. Uh, but the quote I found, I found the out,
2: same fact and I was trying to find the source as well. I didn't know if it was internet bullshit or like Metallica lore, but it's a good story.
1: Yeah, it is a good story. So it, it it could be a BS story, but um if somebody knows of the source, you know, we're all nerds out there, so let me know. Hit me up on uh, social or what have you. But it says, James Hatfield would run out of steam and he has, uh, let me back up. The Struggle Within was written and sung during the band's last day in studio. James Hatfield had run out of steam and he has since admitted that the struggle within was the trouble he had coming up with the words for this song. With the benefit of hindsight, he also sees the song as indicative of the anger he was feeling at the time and his struggle to deal with it. Said Hatfield, "I'm no psychiatrist, but it's right there." <laughs> um, so I thought that was an interesting tidbit of information. Uh, you know, he's he's struggling to write the lyrics, literally struggling, and then here's what's come out. When on paper, it just feels like he's venting. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, I mean, I hadn't heard that little anecdote before, but the more I looked at the lyrics, I was like, that kind of makes sense. There's some sort of cliched language in there, which is not usually a Hetfield thing. So yeah. I can probably see that might be true. Uh, it's also got a pretty simple construction, as far as I can tell, a couple of verses, pre-chorus, chorus, uh, a bridge in there. Yeah. But yeah, I could see that being like, man, we're really burnt out, but we have this and we're going to record it, Yeah. I gotta gotta put something in there.
1: Well, it's funny you say like cliche language because I kind of addressed that a little bit during "My Friend of Misery," and "My Friend of Misery" is probably my favorite track on the Black album. Oh, cool. uh, but my point was, um, there's a few parts on the Black album where you can tell that James Hatfield's heard a line, and then he's rather than like on a just for all when he was watching the news and then would write lyrics about it. It's almost as if he was doing some kind of reading or whatever, or, or, and he saw like kind of a, a famous line and then wrote a song about it. So like, whether it be, uh, you know, misery loves company and my friend of misery or, um, yeah, that one's too on the nose. Yeah. Or in the struggle with it, you know, uh, advantages are taken, not handed out, you know? Yeah. Um, Kicking
2: at a dead horse. Boredom sets into the boring mind. It's, yeah. Yeah, you know, a little varied, but you know, you kind of know it in the back of your mind, like that's come from some cliched phrase you've heard before.
1: Right. It, it it's like he takes something that's uh, been said billions of times before and just kind of twists it a little bit to make it to have the the Heffield flavor. Yeah. <laughs> um, or and he gets away with it because he can do that. <laughs> right. Or do not call me a conspiracy theorist. All I'm saying is maybe ooh, uh, Dave Mustaine wrote the lyrics. <laughs>
2: yes. James Hetfield has some diary of Dave Mustaine's filled with <laughs> lyrics. And he, that's what he uses.
1: <laughs> so, um, this ties in with the lyrics. Um, I was looking up information about this song online and in various sources I have. And I would say, more so than any other song on the Black Album, the struggle within I found the least amount of information about. Yeah, um, easily. But I, I stumbled upon this article that, uh, well, I'll, I'll give the source later it's it's a little bit lengthy i was like i don't know if i'll read the whole thing but i'll try i i think i'm gonna read through the whole thing but i'm gonna try to do it quickly uh and it basically this is an article and i'll and i'll say the website later uh but it breaks down the lyrics of this song um and well just listen for yourself there's no doubt about it metallica is one of the hottest groups around Oh, by the way, I'm not sure what year this is from either. I don't know if this is like Black Album's new or if this was written years later. Um, But it says, there's no doubt about it. Metallica is one of the hottest groups around. No matter what the song, they really cook. But it's not just their sound that's great. Their lyrics really make you stand up and take notice. Their songs aren't just a bunch of shallow rhymes. They show that someone's been thinking. Metallica's The Struggle Within is typical of those songs. It says what we've all felt. They start off singing, reaching out for something you've got to feel while clutching to what you had thought was real. They describe perfectly the struggle that we all go through. We're always on the make for something, something real, but when we get it, we're just not satisfied. Then we cling hard to it while we search for the next thrill. Metallica said it perfectly. Our struggle to find reality is little more than a bunch of uppers and downers. One night we're drunk out of our mind and we feel like we're on top of the world. The next morning, our head feels like the world's on top of it. One night, we're with someone in bed who gave it to us good. Later, we find out they gave us more than we wanted. Now we've got VD. And like Metallica, we ask ourselves, What the hell? What is it you think you're going to find? Hypocrite. Boredom sets into the boring mind. What is it we think we're going to find to cure our boredom? The search gets old real fast. There's something out there, but we don't know what it is. Maybe it's money, but then if it's money that makes life so wonderful... Why are so many rich people unhappy? Why is their suicide rate higher than average? That's the struggle within. Maybe it's fame. Don't believe it. Lars Ulrich and James Heffield have got that and they still wrote this song. Fame does not satisfy the struggle within. What is it that we are struggling for to feel good enough about ourselves? Do we need to start helping little old ladies across the street and buying cookies from those poor little Girl Scouts? Is that what it's going to take? Don't con on it. Don't count on it, that's the struggle within. Is there an answer? Is life supposed to be meaningless? Or is that what we're missing? Meaning in life? Would it make a difference if we knew why we were put here and what we are supposed to be doing with our life? It sure would. Why are we here? Perhaps you've never thought about it before, but it's only natural that the one who made us, made us for himself. Artists often create works of art for their own use. Inventors devise gadgets to simplify their lives, and students make their own jewelry in shop class. A divine being like God, who had the brilliance to design and create the atomic structure of the universe, and who had the power to pull it all out of nothing, would quite naturally have created us for himself, to serve him and be fulfilled by him. Now many of us get uptight at the idea of living our lives for someone else. In fact, the very thought that we owe something to God just ticks us off. I mean, who does he think he is? God?! oops okay so he is pretty powerful and could squash us like ants and we probably are a real pain to him anyway so how will living for him stop the struggle within the struggle within is only a struggle for a right relationship with our creator it's only because things aren't right with him that inside we feel empty and alone when we get things right with him the search is over and the emptiness goes away the things that once enslaved us will have lost their power there's one problem when we look to God for help, there's something that keeps us from him. You see, all of our running after what we want out of life is perceived by God as independence and rebellion. He created us to do his thing, but we have lived to do ours. It is, in fact, our self-oriented living that has brought us greater and greater emptiness. The self-oriented style of living God calls sin. It is our sin that separates us from God and keeps us from entering into a close relationship with him. And... I'm going to stop there. It goes on and on and on about uh, finding God or whatever. This is from familyministries.com. And I'm sharing it not because I'm a religious man, because I am the opposite of a religious man. But just because I... uh, that one stood out to me. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: I found the same thing. If you search for Struggle Within, it's on the first page of search results.
1: <laughs> yeah, it wasn't. It, it did not take a lengthy uh, research session for me to discover this. There's only so many results out there outside of uh, lyric pages. Um, yeah, that was yeah.
2: interesting. It sounds like something I would have written in ninth grade when I went to a private school. So
1: <laughs> shout out
2: David Lipscomb for all you Tennessee yeah. people.
1: I was trying to figure out if like David Ellison wrote it or, or, or <laughs> what. but <laughs>
2: The singer for Slayer. I'm forgetting his name. <laughs> yeah. He's <a> Catholic. <laughs> Probably would be like
1: that. <laughs> Which brings me back to a point I've made before. I really want a Metallica tribute album. It could be the Blackout from start to finish, where it's just the rest of the big four singers um, <laughs> and musicians. <laughs> playing these songs let's get carrie king on lead guitar where you just say, <laughs> you know like during the unforgiven or something you know
2: i was gonna say if, if you want the unforgiven sped up 50 <laughs> times then go for it uh,
1: but uh yeah so just just proves the uh, one of the points we were making over black summer that the lyrics of james Hetfield are universal and even um even preachers um, are looking at the lyrics and I, I uh, finding ways to uh, preach. That's about the nicest thing I can say about <laughs> it. <laughs>
2: wait till they get a hold of now that we're dead.
1: <laughs> well, that's the thing, too, is that I was like, wait, is there more examples like this out there? I need to find them if so, because it's <laughs> a little bit it's. It's a little bit fascinating. <laughs> um, but but yeah, so the struggle within.
2: <laughs> Indeed, youth <laughs> pastor ministry, it's right there.
1: <laughs> um, but familyministries.com are, is not the only ones we're going to hear from, uh, Kevin. I want to share uh, what Ralph Saveto so wrote on FlickChat, Kevin. I don't like to call you out like this, but I've noticed you're not on FlickChat yet. Or are you?
2: <laughs> I'm not. I haven't gotten it yet. I'm pretty oh, sure he's oh, crushing it over there, and there's no room for me.
1: Oh, listen, KBD. <laughs> Last week Nick was on, and I had to shame him into joining. uh And I'm going to do the same for you. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'll come back with receipts. <laughs> uh,
1: so, like every week, I, I made a call out to the Metallicast Militia. Ask for your thoughts on the Twitter machine, on the Facebook. Um, but I always get the best answers on Flick Chat. Uh, Flick Chat, for those of you who have not been paying attention for the last 10 weeks, uh, it's a free app. You can download it. Search uh, just use the just search metallica and you join the group it's basically a forum we talk about um the podcast we talk about metallica we talk about just metal and music in general uh, but primarily we talk about our favorite band metallica um so i sent i started a topic about the struggle within asking for thoughts and as always ralph Savetto wrote a uh, wrote a long little something that I think will sum up this episode nicely. He writes, This song, to me, was the perfect closer for the Black Album. It starts with some excellent martial sounding drums uh, provided by Lars, and then the guitars come in echoing that sentiment. They quickly kick into the main riff, which is rather thrashy. Apparently, this was also the last track finished for the album, and Hetfield seems to be venting his frustrations with the arduous process of recording this masterpiece of an album In this particular song in his lyrics, which seem pretty self-explanatory. One can definitely hear just how angry he is over the whole thing and the words used here and his vocal delivery. Kirk provides another excellent solo towards the end of the song. Jason's playing is solid on this one, but not all that spectacular as he mostly follows along with the main riff after standout performances on the previous two songs. As per usual on the sound, the band as a unit is extremely tight. As great as this song is, though, this might be the most ignored and possibly one of the least played out of all the seller album closes the band has ever recorded. So if any of the guys are listening... I'm sure they are. They all listen to Metallicast Ralph. We all know that. Please do me a favor and play this one live for me in the next tour. Hey, I'm all about some deep cuts anyway.
2: (laughs) Spot on, man. As usual.
1: As as usual, Ralph delivers. And yes, before you ask, I'm working on getting him on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I was about Um, to
2: say he should have his own podcast, but he would just like read his tweet threads and that would be like (laughs) two and a half minutes and it would be like, there's your podcast.
1: Well, which would be brilliant, but then nobody would have a reason to listen to my podcast. (laughs) Wait, we can get all the same information in not even a quarter of the time <laughs> <laughs> and there's no dave mustaine impressions it's perfect
2: <laughs> <laughs> cliff notes minus mustaine i mean how are you gonna argue that
1: <laughs> that should be the name of the podcast <laughs> cliff notes minus mustaine with your host ralph Saveto. <laughs> we just set it up for you buddy get on it <laughs> oh that is amazing um Actually, I when I have Ralph on the podcast, finally, I should just make like a three-minute episode. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Ralph,
2: go on about X. He talks for about two and a half, three minutes. All right, that was Metallicast. See you next week.
1: Last week, Nick was like, "Why did we even do this? We could have had this all done in the first two minutes." If you just read that, <laughs> uh, but I, you know, Ralph in his uh, writing. Makes uh, uh, references to the other Metallica closers. And, uh, you know, this one I think does get lost in the shuffle a little bit despite it being on their best selling record. Um, but I'm going to go on record and say this. Uh, I like this song. I think it is a perfect closer for this record, as Ralph worded it. Um, I, I think it fits with the vibe of this record. Uh, you know, it's largely, you know, it's very simple and concise and to the point, which is exactly what they were trying to accomplish in the Black Album um, from start to finish. But, with all that said, if I have to rank all the album closers, I think the struggle within is my least favorite.
2: Yeah, I could see that, except for what closes St. Anger. Richard, where are you? Richard?
1: (laughs) I would even put all within my hands ahead of struggle with them because I, I I honestly oh, that's think rough. I honestly think all within my hands is a uh, a standout on the Saint Anger album and if uh, I, I think if you heard that track um, I, I would like them to do a live version of that not uh, the acoustic version because I feel like if you hear I, I feel like that song would get a lot more love if you stripped away the uh the sane anger production and uh if you heard it like kind of more of like a traditional metallica song i think we'd get more love than it does
2: oh i i definitely agree with that because when they play the stuff live um i'm a lot warmer to that than than the album version so i definitely get that but i would still take struggle over all within my hands every day of the week
1: yeah which i i can respect the fact that you're wrong um <laughs>
2: <laughs> Do you I, watch the live performances they're they're fantastic
1: and they look the like they're having a thing.
2: lot of fun playing it too
1: yeah well i i say that across the board i mean I, if i watched them play into salmon from the last show that they did in europe it's gonna look like they have tons of fun playing that too you know true true um i think that's one of the beauties of uh this band um I'm going to put you on the spot again, Kevin. And then you right. can put me on the spot with a, with a reply. Your favorite Metallica closer. Oh, could man. Could be from any album.
2: Mm, I have to go with Damage Incorporated.
1: Yeah, I I have to go with Damage Inc. too, just because Master Puppets is my favorite record. and But I, I would say uh, that Dire Z would be a close second for me.
2: Dire's Eve is real good. I mean, a bunch of the closes are just so right next to each other it's hard to pick. It would probably change if you asked me on a different day, to be honest. Yeah.
1: And I would actually put Outlaw Torn and Fixer up near the top too.
2: Oh, Outlaw Torn is one of my one of my favorites, like overall Metallica even. Yeah. You know, album version or S and M version, like it's it's way up there for me.
1: Yeah. I yeah, I love that track. I think there's so much great atmosphere in that song. I love the lyrics. I I love the um it's uh I don't I don't know if it was like composed or improvised, but it definitely has an improvised feel at certain parts, um with like the guitar at the end. It's like more jammy than you, what you normally hear from Metallica. I just think there's a lot of cool elements in that track. And I'm yeah. excited for them to do it at SNM too cuz they have to.
2: <laughs> you would think at least like especially if they're gonna bring it out on on the tour they're doing you would think that that's practice
1: right exactly uh, sorry tom queen you... <laughs> i i just love when you or nick come on this show because there's always a jab at tom <laughs> <laughs>
2: i think he's awesome i love talking with yeah. him
1: yeah, and I just literally like within a half hour before recording this, I saw on Twitter that for uh, his Patreon members, he's uh, repackaging the old episodes as a like an album package. So like for example, yeah. he's singing all the Ride the Lightning songs and doing it as like one thing, which is a really cool idea. So uh, I you know it's all it's all Metallica podcast love on this end. So I have I have no problem uh, shouting those guys out. I'm hoping. To, uh, I'm hoping that I, you know, in the near future, we'll be recording something with Tom, but we'll see if that pans out with our schedules.
2: Right on. He's got to be tired of me. I've been on there like four times.
1: <laughs> he, well, when I emailed him, he literally said, As long as you're not Kevin Van Dam. <laughs> yes.
2: When he says, If you haven't been on the podcast before, he means, As long as you're not Kevin Van Dam,
1: <laughs> you're welcome
2: on the show. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Anything we missed uh, about the struggle with Anything you want to add on about Metallica in general, KVD, that uh, we should explore before we wrap this bad boy up?
2: Um, The only note I still have that I haven't crossed off was backup vocals live. Uh, They didn't perform it while Jason was in the band. So it's all up to Rob and Kirk. And I'm sorry, this is a common comment, especially for me, but I don't think it's up to snuff.
1: Yeah, if, uh, funny, uh, during a Wolf and Man, we had this conversation. And, you know, I will say, I, I think, uh, I'll say it again. Uh, as much love as Jason Newsted gets, as long as he was in the band, for all the hits and big albums that he played on, I think he's the most underrated member to have ever played for Metallica. Mm hmm. And, uh, I, and I'm not saying this is a knock against his base abilities because he's an amazing bassist. Different style than Cliff Burton, different style than Robert Trujillo. And I pref, actually prefer uh, the style of those two bases and Cliff Burton. I mean, it, why, you it I can't even put anybody in the same sentence as Cliff Burton on that level.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: but more so than... his stellar bass playing and just how tight it was and how crisp it was and how much of like a great rhythmic unit he created with uh Lars Ulrich during his time as the band more so than that those background vocals are I think the the biggest missing piece from the current Metallica live show and I say that as somebody who thinks 2019 Metallica probably as a whole is performing better than um Most of Jason's run with the band to be honest Uh, but those background vocals are are missed.
2: Oh yeah it's there's a whole other level that that adds and you know I give Rob props all the time because that's not a thing he like does just naturally so the fact that he was just like yeah I'll lean into it he's gotten a lot better I like him you know he's an amazing bassist but you know Newstead just has the talent for that so
1: yeah, well, I mean, the the best way to sum it up is Rob and Kirk both have to do it. So whenever you need people <laughs> yeah. doing what one person used to do before, and you can still hear it's not quite as good. Yeah. I mean, that speaks volumes about Jason's role in that department.
2: Yeah, yeah. Love Jason.
1: Yeah, and I, and I think, too, in a lot of ways, uh, the Black Album is... Kind of his shining moment in the band. Not to take away from anything else he did with the group, but the I think it you know in Justice for All, uh, obviously we don't need to go into detail about this. It's been talked by us and everybody else, but it just has that lack of low end, has that lack of uh, a bass in the mix, and mm-hmm. so for him, you know, one studio album later to have such a rich bass on such a like well-rounded low end a well-balanced low end of this record it was really superb and you know he has my friend of misery which is you know that bass all his composition so good. and i think his shining moment in the band as a songwriter um and one of his shining moments in the band as a performer and that's you know it, there's a lot of moments in this album where the bass really gets to shine Whether it's that quick bass break in holier than thou or the bass intro to the god that failed or i think more so than any of the records that came after uh, even with like a heavy bass uh presence um you know i i think just from start to finish this is his shiny moment in the group
2: yeah there's a there's a synergy on the black album that's pretty special so and he's definitely a part of that
1: yeah and you know people can say Oh, uh, what if Cliff was still in the group and this and that and it—it's like saying, well, what if they had a better technical drummer than Lars Ulrich? Like it would not be Metallica. It would not be exactly. the same album. You know, it's—it's it's all the pieces together that make each. <clears throat> it's all the pieces together that make this band sound like Metallica, but the sound each album that 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 gives each album its own unique sound. Because, well, I mean. Well, I think you could put on any Metallica album and you're going to be like, oh yeah, that's Metallica. I mean, each one has its own flavor. You know, Hardwired has a different flavor than Death Magnetic, which has a different flavor than saying Anger, which has a different flavor than Load. And, Re- and you can just keep on going through the whole catalog. Um, and I, I, I love Load. I love Reload. I loved the cover records, but I just feel like this is when... It, it gelled the best uh, in terms of, like, the four of those guys. And this was just so many bright moments for the band, obviously, with all these massive hits and, you know, best-selling record and da-da-da-da-da. But I think Jason gets lost in the mix a lot of times because it's easy to focus on the guitar solo. It's easy to focus on Lars because he never shuts up. It's easy <laughs> to focus on uh, James as, you know, the, the front man. But, uh, you know... Uh, and, and I think the the basis is sometimes forgotten, but more you don't forget Cliff Byrne because he's Cliff Byrne. And, and, yeah. I, it, and I just think, you know, Jason gets lost in the shuffle.
2: Yeah. And you were saying like it really gelled for this album and you kind of get that same impression with Master of Puppets. So, you know, there are times when Metallica just like is all going in one direction and it ends up being amazing.
1: Yeah. And, and the band finds a perfect balance on this record and I think uh you know it's the drums and the bass that hold it together so I think Lars and Jason have a lot of to do with this. Um but on the black one they find the perfect balance of tight and loose. Like load and reload are looser records and intentionally yeah. so um but the black on is that perfect bridge between Uh, you know, the really rigid tightness of, like, Injustice for All and the more, like, loose, bouncy, groove-oriented, almost, like, bluesy jams of Load and Reload.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I really like Lars's drumming on this album, probably more than any other album. There's just something about it, like you said, there's a looseness there that keeps it relaxed, but, you know, you can do heavy stuff like Sad But True, and you can do a kind of slower backbeat to struggle within while there's, you know, James doing his right hand thing and it just gives its own flavor to this album that is not on the other albums.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I, and I, and I said this before too, but I'll mention it again, since where I think this is kind of a cool way to, uh, we're doing this by accident, by design, it's ended up to be kind of a cool way to wrap up this (laughs) whole little 10 week anthology about the blackout. But, um, I think this is really like the first time you get that signature Lars drum sound on record. Uh, Where, like, all, like, when you hear his snare, when you hear his bass drum, when you hear that set, you know it's Lars. And I feel like this is when those, when he really starts embodying uh, and developing that signature sound of his.
2: Yeah. I could definitely agree with that and i think he it was kind of like fortuitous that they got bob rock and you know all the other albums lars is always like looking for this sound or that sound or you know we need mike clink for this so like he finally yeah. found a dude that could like blend it all together and nobody seems left out everybody has their part in the mix uh yeah. greg fiddleman's probably the same way They've, you know, like you know without rick rubin in the mix we can actually put a little sauce on here and you know Make it sound really nice.
1: All right, KVD. Anything else?
2: No, man. I'm done.
1: (laughs) Well, thank you for coming on. Where can everybody find you on the social media? Or do you not want people finding you on the social media?
2: (laughs) Uh, You'll probably see my Metallica tweets to you or metal up your podcast, and then we can argue about politics on Twitter.
1: (laughs) Everybody's favorite pastime, Metallica and politics on Twitter. That's right. you can uh of course follow Metallicast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at MetallicastPod Pod on all three. Please uh download the app. I'll mention again Flick Chat. It's free, completely free. Um, it's a new app. It's uh I'm not being paid to say any of this. I wish I was, but I'm not. It's just something I stumbled upon through another podcast. Um, that I was listening to and it seemed cool. So I checked it out for myself and I was able to kind of get in um, early, uh, but it's a developing brand new app. But the gist, uh, I think they're going to be adding a lot of bells and whistles as time goes on. But the gist of it is it's a forum. So if you like chatting on the Met Club forums or, uh, you know, being a part of Metallica Twitter or anything like that or Facebook groups or whatever, this is the perfect spot for you. Download the app. Search the code Metallicast. And we have uh, almost daily conversations about uh, upcoming episodes, past episodes, or the latest Metallica news, or uh, whatever else. And if, if nothing else, it's another spot you can go and shit on Tommy Trink. So <laughs> 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 download the app for free. Search Metallicast. Um, of course, please download, subscribe. Uh, the podcast. Leave a positive review for us on Apple Podcasts. You can find us there on Google, Stitcher, FansonExpress.com. Anywhere you find your podcast, Metallicast is available. Uh, if you are into black metal, more extreme metal, I have uh, a few episodes out of a uh, second podcast I started with my buddy Greg called the Corpse Paint Podcast. And it's really just a bunch of uh, silly nonsense. But we it's basically us drinking, playing a David Ellison drinking game. If you want to know what the David Ellison drinking game is, then get some booze and listen and follow along. It's really easy to play. Um, and you will hopefully be hammered by the end of the episode. Um, and we just listen to black metal and talk about it. Some of it we like, some of it we do not like. Uh, but we break it down in a very casual, fun, and goofy way. Um, and that can be found on apple Podcasts, google or anywhere else and uh yeah i think that is it Um, i guess the only other note i can make is that black summer is unfortunately done i am back at my day job after summer break which means battlecast will be back to being once a month if i can do a second one here or there i will if i can do a mini, I will, but I'm guaranteeing you one a month and hopefully uh, I do not get too uh, sidetracked when uh, baby Heffield cast comes <laughs> in a couple months. Um, Kevin, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's always a blast having you on. We just need to have you on more often.
2: Hey, I'm glad to come back whenever you need me
1: sounds good kvd thank you again and uh as always i want to end with a cover um not a lot of struggle within covers out there believe it or not but i, I did find one from uh sodom the legendary thrash band from germany this is like many of the other ones i've played in the black summer series from the metal hammer a tribute to the black album so this is sodom doing the struggle within till next time ladies and gentlemen middle up your ass yeah
0: not expert.